Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with Mike and Laurent. It is Thursday, June 24th, and in this episode, I'll discuss how Germany and Spain did just enough to make it through to the round of 16, England, top group D in unspectacular fashion. But first, we have a full round of 16 to go through all of the matchups. All of them have been uh, sorted out already earlier yesterday, and we will be talking about all of them. So we're going to start right there. Uh, our bracket challenge, as we've talked about in our f- the last few episodes, the Squeaky Bum Time Euro 2020 Bracket Challenge, uh, sponsored by World Soccer Shop, uh, is officially underway. You can log on to runyourpool.com and make your picks right there. We will be giving away $300 to World Soccer Shop, as we've already mentioned a number of times. Uh, first place, going to get $150. Second place, going to come home with $100. And third place, nice little consolation prize, getting $50. I don't know about you guys. I don't know how familiar you are with World Soccer Shop. Um, I'm quite familiar, obviously, but I was poking around on there, picked myself up a few new uh, Spurs pieces of memorabilia and shirts and all that stuff. They've got, it's interesting. They are different than Fanatics. They, they have different merchandise than them. They have, uh, I, and for my money, better merchandise. And, and so there's basically, for me, three places where I would go to get Spurs stuff. It would be their official shop, which takes forever to get here from England and additional shipping. Uh, Fanatics, which sucks. And World Soccer Shop, and not not in that particular order. So I highly suggest checking them out. Um, they've been great to work with us. Uh, so right now there's almost 40 people involved. So you got a pretty good shot. So make sure uh, you uh, follow the link in this episode description on all of our social media. And remember, in order to win those prizes, you have to be a member of the Squeaky Bum Time Facebook group. It is open to join. We'd love to have you. Come on in and, and join and talk about the football. So um, with that, we're going to start breaking down some of these matchups. There's, I mean, goodness, there's just so many of them that are absolutely mind-blowing. We'll get into how we got here and the final group games in Group F and Group E, uh, some absolutely wild afternoons yesterday. Um, we'll talk about that. Some of the heroes and goats as well uh, from the group stage. Uh, and then we'll make our um, our predictions. Well, me, I suppose. Uh, I'm flying solo tonight, but uh, that's what we'll kind of make sure we get through over the course of this episode. So um, let's start with at the top, tippy top of the round of 16. Now, the way that the, um, the groups have sort of shaken themselves out the bracket is quite top heavy. So uh, the I'm looking at it from left to right, top to bottom, however you want to look at it. There's one half of the bracket that is far more treacherous than the other half. Uh, and it starts with two of the top four ranked teams, according to FIFA, in the world. Uh, the number one seed from Group B, Belgium, uh, facing off against the number three seed from Group F, Portugal. Number one versus number four. Ooh. This one is going to be an incredible, incredible game. In fact, it's actually going to be on June 27th. Uh, it's going to be the later game in the afternoon that day. But um, there's just there's there's so much to pull apart here. Arguably the two most star-studded uh, best 11s in the tournament. And they're, one of them is not going to the quarterfinal. So it's harsh that they'll be matching up against each other this early. Um, but it's just an absolutely incredible um in matchup for the for the round of 16. The X factor for me is going to be how healthy are Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard for Belgium. Uh, they topped Group B, Russia, Denmark, of course, Denmark going through what they did, and Finland. 
I'd be hard-pressed to say that Belgium was terribly tested in Group B. Um, as we said numerous times over the last few episodes, uh, there, there's you know a few teams like that. Um, but I think that the we're going to find out a lot more about both of these teams uh, immediately as soon as a ball is kicked on June 27th. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a tight one. I I, I think Romelu Lukaku has been in form he hasn't seen in years. Um, and he's getting service from all over the place. Uh, but I just, I worry about Belgium's defense. Um, and I worry about those two main headliners, uh, being up to fitness to be able to, to, to take on, uh, a Portuguese side that has plenty of attacking prowess themselves. Now, uh, it, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention how Portugal got absolutely boat raced by Germany in the second of their group stage games, uh, and how Germany continuously attacked down the left. Um, it remains to be seen because they did sort of patch that up in their, their two, two draw with France earlier yesterday, uh, to clinch them the third place role. But, uh, it, it's certainly a, a weak point, uh, with Pepe at 38 years old, uh, on the left side of defense, even though Ruben Diaz is next to him. Um, there is certainly question marks for Portugal. So, um, I'm not really sure which way this one's going to go. And I'm glad that I'm making my predictions at the end of the show. Cause I'm going to have to think about that one a little bit. Um, but the crazy thing is the winner of that game is going to get the winner of Italy and Austria. Now that one's a little bit easier to pick. I think we all can agree on that. Um, Italy, the, uh, group winner in, in group a, and uh, Austria, the surprise-ish to some, uh, second-place team from Group C, um, just sneaking it past the Ukraine um, for for the second spot there. Italy, again, sort of untested. I'm not sure how much we've seen of them, but, but Belgium and Italy are certainly the two runaway favorites uh, going into the knockout stages. Uh, and so there you have it. It's almost – it's – very possible, if not likely, um, that they'll be facing each other in the quarterfinal. This was something that before the tournament, um, in the you know the groups could have certainly gone a number of different directions. That's something that if you told me that Belgium and Italy were facing off in the final, I'd say yeah, that makes a hundred percent sense. So uh, one of them for sure will not make the semifinal, uh, which is really really harsh. Uh, and that's sort of the way that these tournaments sort of go sometimes, right? As much as we've talked about um, the ability for third place games or, or qualifications, I should say, um, being a boon to the tournament excitement and the craziness and the chaos, well, this is sort of the price you pay for chaos sometimes. You get some really, really great matchups too early. Um, with, with Not that there's not enough on the line, but gosh, it makes you wish that there was a trophy for the winner. Um, so it, it's... It's a tight draw, uh, and it doesn't get any easier. You've got um, the winners of Group F, the uh, defending world champions, France, facing against a plucky uh, Switzerland team. Now, Switzerland is another one of the third-place teams out of out of Group A, um, and that's, for me, that's a fair draw, right? Because France uh, emerged victorious from the group of death, and it was a quite a group of death. Um and so they, they get a third-place team. That's a fair one. I, I don't see any problem for France there. Can Switzerland give them problems? Sure. Um, it's a question of if France's class shows up, uh, then this, really, this could be a runaway for, for, the, for the French. And I think that the main piece there is that, uh, you know, 
we are seeing an element to them we haven't seen in a long time. Kareem Benzema got off the mark to, uh, yesterday with two goals. Uh, one from the spot, but one was taken well as as well. So um, Benzema had his first in goal involvements that were not called off or offside uh, in years. So uh, since being previously banished uh, because of a sex scandal or ex- exploitation scandal, I suppose. Man, I, if, if Laurent was here, you would hear way more than you care to hear about that one. But um, we'll see. Uh, I, I think France does get through there pretty easily there. So we can we can go ahead and mark that one down. Um, the last game in the left or top end of the bracket, depending on how you're looking at it, is a second-place matchup uh, featuring Spain, the runners-up in Group E, very surprised there, and Croatia, uh, the runners-up in Group D. Uh, Croatia seemed to get off to just really just a slow start. England, first of all, first game is against England in Wembley, and they come out like gangbusters. Um, They don't score in the first few minutes. Phil Foden hits the post, but they just rattled Croatia's cage, uh, and it looked like they just had trouble... uh, you know, getting into the game. England end up getting the win later on, locking it down, uh, and Croatia just slow out of the gates, right? Um, their second game against Czech Republic, they end up getting a draw. And so you go into the final day facing Scotland, again, in Glasgow. That's not an easy game at all. Uh, and they certainly had an interesting, interesting game. They end up winning 3-1. The expected goal difference we love talking about on the show. Uh, Scotland, according to expected goals, the better team by a half a goal, 1.2 to 0.7. Uh, and yet they get uh, bounced 3-1. to Granted, it was 2-1 with a, with a late uh, third marker. But um, Scotland really, really hard done by in this tournament. Uh, they go home early. Um with a minus four goal difference and really just the nil-nil draw at Wembley to show for it. Um, you feel for them, especially in this format where a win and a draw would have gotten you into the in the knockout rounds, most likely. In fact, in, in many cases it did. Uh, it, that's that's just a tough, you know, it's a tough one to, for them to swallow. But um, Croatia's got class. Uh, they've got arguably one of the best midfields in the tournament. Um and it's just a question of where the goals will be coming from. Luka Modric, their star man, the uh, the Ballon d'Or winner or the man, the the tournament winner, uh, player of the tournament winner in the 2018 World Cup, uh, had an absolutely incredible goal at a time when Croatia needed it. See, but what would happen is a draw does nothing for either Scotland or Croatia. The the game is one one, uh, roughly the 75th 80th minute, uh, and Modric. Just pure class uh, from outside the box, bullet into the corner. And and from there on, you knew that it wasn't so much that Croatia was home, but that Scotland was dusted and they were they were taken care of. Because uh, at that point, they would have needed two goals and it just wasn't happening for them, especially with Jay Adams leading the line. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a question at this moment of whose stars will show up. Now, Spain's a tough draw, but this is not your father's Spain, right? Uh, And we'll talk a little bit more about their exploits in their final game uh, in Group E. Uh, They won 5-0. I'm not sure if somebody can win a game 5-0 and still not be – still have question marks after the game, right? Um, And we'll talk about that in a little bit while. But uh, I – my heart says Croatia here. I just – I don't trust Spain – um, I did, like I said, I did pick them 
to win Group D. Uh, I expected England to be a little bit more Englandy, um, but we'll see. I, I, that's one that's I gotta let marinate. Um, but first reaction says says Croatia, um, and so we'll see what happens there. You go to the other side of the bracket, um, and it's a tale of the blue and the yellow. Uh, we've got the the group winners from Group E, uh, the Swedes, Sweden um, with. A really interesting, interesting tournament. They finished two and one um, with a, only a plus two goal difference. Um, with a uh, what was it? Three two thrilling, thrilling game against Poland yesterday to clinch the group. Um, it was one of those where both games were going on simultaneously. Spain got out of sight relatively early in the second half. Sweden thought they were, and Poland drew it back, and then just the, the late winner at the end uh, from Clayson. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. I gotta think that Sweden, Sweden's interesting because I think that Ukraine might have better individual players, Yarmolenko and Zinchenko specifically. Um, but I think that you know, a man to a man, I think Sweden is. A much stronger side than the Ukraine, so I'll uh, I'll take Sweden here. Um, but I think that Ukraine could could poke an upset, um, but I, I I don't know that I trust them to do so. So give me give me uh, Trey Conor to take that one, and then you get to probably. And I know we said you know Belgium and Portugal is is a is a great game, and it is. But in the last day of the round of 16, June 29th, clear your schedules. At Wembley Stadium, England hosting Germany. England, the group winners in Group D, as I mentioned. And Germany hanging on by a thread later yesterday against against Hungary to secure the, what ended up being the second spot uh, in Group F. Oh, how much time you got for all the history, all of the... All of the war references, all of the there were ten German bombers in the air at Wembley Stadium. Um, so many questions here. First and foremost, will the real Germany please stand up? Uh, we're not really sure what we're going to get from them. Um, there's there's just a lot of questions that we still have about um, you know how they can perform in a big moment. With that said, they did survive, and now uh, you know. Hungary was supposed to be the team that everybody beat up on in that group. But they played three games at home. And they had the advantage of a full crowd. Like very few teams in this in this tournament did. I think Denmark probably being the only other one uh, with no real COVID restrictions anymore uh, and a full house. And that mattered. Uh, you got to think like a lot of these players have not played in front of fans in 18 months. And when you listen, when you get in front of ten percent, twenty five percent, fifty percent capacity, yeah, it's great, and it's good to you know have them, and you can hear them and all that stuff. One of the things I was actually thinking about earlier, I was actually watching baseball, and I saw a player react, and I remarked that I couldn't hear him react because that's become the new norm, right? You you had a player who would say something good or bad on the field, react, yell in happiness, slam his glove or, or scream or whatever. Um, and you would hear that because they were amongst one of the only 200 people in the stadium, right? There were no fans there. Now it was that it was almost like, and I always would think back to famous events 
you know, famous sports events, and I would never hear the players like tone or voice when they would exclaim good or bad in a key moment because the the it was just merely drowned out by fifty thousand people, you know, in the crowd. Um, that's the feeling that these players immediately had to walk into again. Now, the, the Denmark situation is a completely different ballgame and all of the Ericsson extracurricular feeling and, and emotion that went into that, totally different. And the and the results that, that followed for Denmark, I, I would actually say, had, had quite a bit to, to do with that. Um, but Hungary is not a team that strikes fear into the hearts of anyone. Right, especially France, Germany, and Portugal, and yet here they are. Right, uh, they're entering halftime of the final game of the group stage, and they were qualifying. They were beating Germany today, and they were sitting on four points with what was that? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, a minus two goal difference. But that gets them through. They would at halftime of the games they were getting through. So uh, it's. It's a tough break for them, but they go out with two draws um, and a minus three goal difference, two points overall, and their heads held, heads held high. Uh, I don't think that there's a player on that team that can't say that everything was left out there and that, and that they did literally everything they could have with the advantage of their, their fans at their back against three of the absolute classiest nations in the world for football. So full marks to them, full marks to the fans. Um, you missed that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure how much, you know, you can quantify that, but it certainly, certainly made a difference. Um, and then you go to England, uh, unspectacular, not a sexy way to do it. Um, but they win a group, you know, containing Croatia, uh, who they, who they were famously ousted by in the 2018 World Cup semifinal. Uh, the Czechs, who were the the plucky ones in the group, we'll talk about them again uh, in the next matchup. Um, and the Scots, who's uh, an age old rivalry, one of the best rivalries in world football. So not an easy group for them to navigate. They do it with two wins and a draw, and uh, they haven't gotten good performances out of, I'd say, anyone with the forward attacking mind. Right. So Calvin Phillips was the star of the first game. Um, but all everybody wanted to talk about through two was how Harry Kane was I- irrelevant and absent. He had 19 touches against Scotland. Um, whether whether he got any service or not, it's just you, you need your striker to be involved. Um, I will always be the one defending his, that man, but at the same time, you know. So you did see in the third game uh, against the Czechs, he did drop deeper a little bit. He was involved in some of the link-up play. Um Jack Grealish started, uh, and he made an immediate difference. He uh, he uh, crossed a ball into Sterling, which was a, just a tap-in header uh, in the 11th minute, but he was everywhere. And so the question becomes, what will Gareth Southgate do against the Germans? Is he going to try and outsmart himself, uh, or outsmart the Germans and outsmart himself in the process? Um, will Phil Foden draw back in? Will Mason Mount draw back in? I think that's actually the biggest question. Uh, Mason Mount... Um, and this is this is an interesting sidebar. Billy Gilmore, Mason Mount, and Ben Showell, all teammates at Chelsea, after the England-Scotland game, <clears throat> they uh, were a little too close quarters uh, for everybody's liking. I don't know exactly, but I believe Billy Gilmore uh, 
was was tested positive or had symptoms of COVID. And so he went back to the Scotland team. The Scotland team did not have to self-isolate. They did not have to sit out any games. They were eligible to play. And yet, Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell were deemed ineligible for the third game in the group stage against the Czech Republic. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine with that one. Uh, I have no idea how you can govern that, how you can justify it. It certainly sounds a whole hell of a lot like they're making it up as they go along. I'm not a doctor. I'm just calling it like I see it. But um, yeah, that's that's a hard one to get past for me. Um, so you've got a hole in the midfield. Um, and so like I said, Grealish comes in. He fills that spot. Uh, and I'm I'm... I'm hopeful, not because I'm rooting for England, but because I'm rooting for good football. I'm hopeful that Jack Grealish plays a bigger part in the rest of England's story in the Euros this season, this year, I should say. <clears throat> um, he's phenomenal. And and to first of all, my thinking is to play Mount in the central role ahead of him feels foolish. Um if Laurent were here, he would tell you, even though Sterling has had two goals for England and a post-hit, he's actually probably been their bright spot going forward. Um, on paper, the, given the form he was in towards the end of the season, you probably want to put Mount in that spot, but I'm not so sure about putting him in central uh, in that in that 10 role, especially expecting to have that link-up play with Kane. I just I don't see that being the mo- best use of their of their uh, their resources. You've also got Rashford. You've also got uh, Jaden Sancho chomping at the bit on the bench, trying to get in a game. And I'm really not sure where Phil Foden factors back in. Uh, you had Bukayo Saka come off the right in this game. He was a bright spot. I think that's clearly Foden's spot to lose. Um, but Saka certainly gives you something to think about and another um, option off the bench potentially. So, um. The weird thing about looking at the rest of this side of the bracket is the winner of this game will be certainly the favorite to make the final, regardless of whether it's Germany or, or, or England. And um, it's weird. It's weird that you can say that after after one game, but that's sort of the the bracket that we're looking at here. Like I mentioned, it's so top-heavy on the other side um, that you know Sweden or Ukraine is going to be their immediate um, you know opponent in the in the quarters. Do they strike fear into the heart of England or Germany? No. With that said, five years ago, did Iceland fear strike fear in the heart of England? They they didn't until, you know, that one of the biggest shocks in this tournament's history. So, um, it's certainly an anything can happen one game scenario. But you've got to think right. If if class shows up, then class will win out on the day. So I'm going to take England. I'm going to take England on this one, uh, and then I'm going to take them to beat Sweden as well. So uh, I think that they get to the semis, and that you know. I guess, quadrant of the bracket. And so we go to the next game, the group winners in Group C, uh, the Netherlands. Uh, One of the biggest question marks coming into this tournament, Laurent and I both picked them to win Group C, uh, mostly because Austria, Ukraine, and North Macedonia didn't pose much of a threat to them, but then it did uh, their actual goal-scoring prowess, but they passed with flying colors. Uh, So... Uh, 3-0, a goal difference of 6, never really in doubt. Uh, Jeannie Wijnaldum, one of the uh, the players of the tournament so far, believe he's got the most goals, him and, and Lukaku. 
Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, right? It's one of these teams again. The 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 brand names, the superpowers that got through unscathed and untested. However, their matchup is an interesting one. They'll be facing off with the third place team uh, from Group D, uh, the Czech Republic, who I'm I'm obsessed with. Right, you've effectively got Slava Prague and West Ham, led by my boy Thomas Suchek. If you listen to the show, you know I'm crazy about him. It's weird that I like a West Ham player that much, but I do. Uh, I just I enjoy how he's been a disruptor um, for them and and for the Czechs as well. And I love their 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 camaraderie. They're they're a very close knit team, and they won't be afraid. Right? Um, they spent their Entire seasons upsetting teams, coming back from three nil down at, at at in Tottenham Stadium. Uh, Slavia Prague knocked off Roma, I believe, in the in the Europa League, and Suchek was facetiming them when they were on the field celebrating. That, like I said, super tight group. Um, they've got the they've got the juice. They've got the belief. Um, I like them to finish second in Group D. Uh, they squeaked in on a third place technicality or whatever. Uh, um, but uh, no, I mean, you know, they're one of these teams that had, you know, a one-one-in-one group. They beat, uh, they they beat the Scots on the uh, famous Schick, uh, the the Schick brace, but the Schick goal from midfield that you've all heard about by now. Um, they played England tough, right? They they got a draw out of them, uh, and they lost to Croatia. So um, I think that they're as good of an upset team as anybody, and I'm certainly going to take them over the Netherlands. Uh, that Once I saw the draw, I think that was the first thing I, I definitely locked in, aside from France, Switzerland. Those are the two ones where I was like, okay, this is going to be my fun one. Um, and then you've got 2016 semifinalists, Wales, uh, the Gareth Bale team, uh, against the second, the runner-up from Group A, against the runner-up from Group B, uh, Denmark. The story of the tournament, we've chronicled them quite a bit so far. Um, just an unbelievable story. Uh, Laurent mentioned it on our last episode, but Hoybier is playing sort of a box-to-box role for Denmark now. Um, I don't know how much of that is in lieu of uh, Ericsson not being there, but uh, it's certainly something that's interesting. A- at watching him all year as a Tottenham supporter, having him in that six role sort of in front of the back line, um, as the, I guess, would you say first line of defense, he's getting forward. He's making passes. Uh, as, as I mentioned, he's had three assists in this tournament. He had four all season for Spurs. So, um, there's, he's the link between, you know, Dam's guard and the rest of the group up front, um, Polson. And so I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, now that game is going to be the first game. And it's going to be in Amsterdam. So you take the Danes out of Copenhagen now. And that's something that I mentioned with regard to not just uh, the Hungarians, but as well as Denmark, that they had that that national pride, that full stadium on their side. Without that, I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking that, that is the difference in this game. So we're going to go with Wales. Um, so I see Wales and the Czech Republic matching up in the quarters. And so listen, we want to talk, take care of paying our bills here and do a little live read, courtesy of the Chop Sports Podcast Network. And save, speaking of saving money of our bills, our friend Joe at attitudeofgratitudeconsulting.com has a very unique way to save you plenty of cash on your monthly bills. Please visit 
www.attitudeofgratitudeconsulting.com for more info. Once again, www.attitudeofgratitudeconsulting.com. We love snacking here at the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast, and man, did we, we just received our shipment of some of the brand new seasonings at Sunflower Meadow Seasonings that they sent us over. They even have a brand new cheddar beer dip exclusively made for the Chop Sports Network. It is delicious. You got to try it. And mention Chop Sports when you talk to Jess. Save some money on some of that stuff. Visit sunflowermeadowseasonings.com for their entire lineup of products. So we kind of went through each of the uh, round of 16 matchups. But we didn't really talk about how we got here. So let's do a little bit more of that, right? The uh, final day of the group stages themselves saw groups E and F both finish up. Uh, two games apiece, both played uh, simultaneously. The uh, I guess the matinee affair was uh, while Sweden played Poland, Spain played Slovakia. And then the, uh, the main event, if you will, given the, the names on the card, uh, France squared off with Portugal, and what you thought would be uh, less important, Germany played Hungary, and it turned out to be anything but. So let's start back with Sweden and Poland. Um, goals in the, uh, coming thick and fast, right? So uh, Sweden starts the second minute they get things going. Um, Lewandowski, who is by far the best individual player in the tournament, best striker in the world, not named Harry Kane. Uh, if Laurent were here, he would yell at me for that. Uh, but he's not. So... Um, Lewandowski misses two headers off the crossbar that you're just you're you're blown away that this player has missed these. Um, Sweden get another, and it sort of looks like they're home and hosed. Now simultaneously uh, on the other on the other field there, Spain and Slovakia um, things are going crazy as well. Um, Spain get an early penalty opportunity. Uh, Alvaro Morata steps up. He has been maligned as much as any player in the tournament. And Martin Dubravka of Newcastle fame uh, more or less kept them afloat two years ago. Makes a great save. He comes off his line a little bit early. But you know what? That is a ridiculous rule that should never, ever have a penalty retaken. Anyway, nonetheless, uh, but lest I go on a, a VAR rant like Laurent would, um, I... Uh, I was surprised that he missed that, but I was also surprised that I was surprised, right? This is Murata. He's missed chance after chance after chance. Uh, and so you go, okay, well, Spain are not on good ground here. Uh, they started the day with two points. They needed a win. They needed a win to be able to, to punch their ticket. A draw would not likely have done it for them. Um, and their their quality showed through, right? Um, but it was that man, Dubravka, who, with one of the worst own goals, you feel for him, that you, you'll ever see. So, it's a header. It's, it, it looks like it's a ball that's going to basically be played, will hit the crossbar, and could go anywhere at that point. So, the traditional thing that the keeper will do is punch it over the crossbar, out for a corner, no harm, no foul. Live to see another day. Well, Dubravka biffs it, and... Uh, it more or less ricochets off of like his, I guess, inner palm and down under the bar into his own net. Spain wheel away and celebrate, and it's 1-0. And you just, like I said, your heart goes out to the guy. He just made this great penalty save. Nobody's going to talk about that ever again, aside from this show. And uh, it's it's his, his horrible day was not over. Uh, at just before halftime, um, he goes up to, to grab a ball and, and he misses it. It goes off of Laporte and into the net. And Spain lead two nothing at half. And at that point, you're, they're 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 done. They're taken care of. Um, they end up 
taking it a little bit to them. Uh, they end up winning, as I mentioned earlier in the show, 5-0. Um, Murata was subbed off for Ferran Torres, the, the winger from Manchester City. Uh, Murata did not... Um, he did not factor in any of the five goals. In fact, the minute he was subbed off, Ferran Torres came on and scored the third goal that really put the game out of reach. So the question you have for Spain going forward, which I think I alluded to, is where do they go from here? Uh, and can they depend on their goals from elsewhere from Murata, right? And this is this is a little bit different. They sort of tacked on uh, garbage time goals later in the second half for their fourth and fifth. But can they, against a good Croatia opponent, can they be relied on to score goals. The question is really left out there to be seen. They they advance with a five-goal difference, plus five-goal difference with six goals for, but again, five of them came on, on yesterday's game. So uh, it makes you wonder if they'll really be up to snuff. Um, but you just you feel for Slovakia. So you go back as the, the third and fourth goals are happening. It's 2-0 Sweden, and all of a sudden that man, Lewandowski, gets off the mark. 1-0. I'm uh, sorry, 2-1, uh, excuse me. So so he gets one. Sweden's still up 2-1. to one. Now, if they win, they lock in the number one seed. If they don't, then they will drop uh, to the second seed and Spain will have taken the group. Not a huge deal for Sweden, but it is the difference, again, in facing Croatia and Ukraine in the first round. Um, so they certainly want to hold on to the group. They want to make sure they do their, their due diligence. And then Victor Lindelof of Manchester United um, does the one thing if you're playing Poland as a defender and a center back, you can't lose number nine for Poland. You can't all of a sudden forget to mark Robert Lewandowski because he's going to make you pay. And that's exactly what happens in the 83rd minute. Lewandowski is all of a sudden the ball cross comes in and it bounces to his foot and he's by himself 12 yards out. So much so that he had enough time to take the cross down, compose it with two touches, look around and realize he's completely by himself and very calmly slot it home. Uh, It was an impressive play uh, all around. uh, But really, Lindelof, where are you, man? Um, And so now Poland is back. And so they're pressing. They're on two points at the moment. And you go from Sweden saying, hey, you know, if we don't win, okay, fine. But then if Poland gets another one, Sweden goes from first place to third place in Group E in a matter of 10 minutes. And Poland was pressing quite a bit. Uh, they get close, but nothing really to write home about. And then, um, you know, the break is on the other way. And Clayson finishes it in the 93rd minute uh, to put Sweden back on top and give them the win. So... Uh, frenetic, crazy 20, 25 minutes to end that game. Your heart goes out for Poland. Um, did all they could, uh, but but Sweden prevailed, uh, which was ended up being just a tremendous way to start the day. Um, those two games were, were pretty crazy. Like I mentioned, uh, you know, the Alvaro Morata miss, uh, which was so on brand for him. You can't even joke about it. Um, but yeah, Sweden with an interesting, interesting, battle-tested, uh, you know, kind of game there. Uh, it makes you wonder if they have the the guts to go forward. Alexander Isak again was tremendous. Uh, didn't factor into any of the goals. Emil Forsberg had both of those uh, early on, I should say, to give them the lead. But he's just he's creating. He's everywhere. He's uh, he's a player that can he can shock you. He can, if he. If they get past Ukraine and they're facing Germany or England, he can be a player 
that makes some a name brand on either of those big teams, he can make them look foolish. And so that's something to look out for uh, as this team progresses through the tournament. And then later in the day, you go to Group F, and oof, if you thought that was crazy, sit down if you're not, because um, nobody has eyes on on Hungary and Germany. Everybody's talking about the rematch of the 2016 Euro final, France and Portugal in Hungary. It was actually cool that both games were in Hungary, uh, and and this game was sold out. I mean, of course it would be, but you would think like Hungary, Germany with Hungary with a chance with a win to you know clinch a berth into the round of 16. It was wild. Um, so uh, the Hungarians, there's a roar in the stadium in the 11th minute. The Hungarians have scored against Germany. And everybody for a second goes, wait a minute. That can't, that can't really happen, right? So after Adam Salai puts Hungary up 1-0, uh, we go to the break and it is 1-0 Hungary. Now, in the other game, it is 1-1 uh, as a function of uh, two penalties, one being slotted home by each side. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Karim Benzema getting off the mark uh, for France in a late first-half equalizer. Ronaldo scored the first uh, for the for the Portuguese. Um, a note on the, the VAR call, you've got uh, Mbappe, I believe it was, running more or less a, a slant route. And he, he, I believe it was Pepe, just gets in his way, knocks him over. And I'm, I'm sitting here wondering, in the NFL, you have the, what's, with pass interference, you have what's called technically like a, is the ball catchable, right? You can pick up the flag, there's no penalty on the play, if the receiver had no opportunity or realistic chance to get to the ball. And that's my immediate thought when I watched this play again, because Mbappe is running uh, diagonally. The ball is sailing over his head. Uh, there's never really any chance that anybody other than Manuel Neuer is going to get to this first. And all of a sudden, it is a goal-scoring opportunity, uh, and it's in the back of the net, right? So in in the continuing uh, versioning and changing of VAR, I sure would love to see something along those lines where, yeah, okay, it was it was a clumsy challenge, but it wasn't even so much. It was it almost felt like incidental contact as well, and I would have loved to see them pick that one up and say, well, hold on a second, yeah, they ran into each other. He was never going to get to that ball, right? And so it's interesting that that's sort of the thing that gives France a lifeline after kind of a, a, a questionable start to the game. So they go into halftime and. They're all square, but Hungary's up 1-0, and Hungary's currently second in the group at half, and everybody's sitting there like, are you going to let this happen, Germany? Well, the answer was no, sort of. Um, in the second half, you have uh, – now, I was I had to catch up on the highlights of this uh, because I was watching France and, and Portugal, but you have a three-minute span where Kai Havertz ties it, and then Andreas Schaefer puts Hungary back ahead 2-1. It's actually Kai Havertz's last kick of the game because he is subbed out for Werner. Um, is Germany's going for the win. And in doing so, Andre Schaefer basically takes the next kickoff and goes all the way down the field. <clears throat> you know, Hungary gives it right back. And so from then on, it is just an onslaught, a German onslaught. Chance after chance goes begging. They can't seem to get the equalizer. And then Leon Goretzka finally. Uh, on the 84th minute, ties it. Uh, it's a 
kind of bounces around. Goretzka follows up, takes a slight deflection, and it goes in. Uh, Germany get what they need. They hang on. Um, realistically, a draw got them through regardless. Uh, but my goodness, you, 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 you just – your heart breaks for Hungary. Uh, not the first time ever that Germany has broken Hungary hearts. Um, meanwhile, in the other game, uh, you've got Benzema again scores right off the jump. Uh, in, in a goal that was wrongly ruled off for offside, uh, and then they they bring it back. Uh, it, it's one of the first times, given the new uh, legislation for how the linesman should treat offside, often now you'll see uh, a player goes through, scores, and then the flag is raised. It was raised at, in that same fashion, um, but it turns out that Benzema was onside. He played the run off the shoulder perfectly. Uh, and slaughtered at home off the post. Um, so it's. I, I was surprised to see that one come back. I was happy to see it come back. It sort of it bastardizes it to an extent, but at least the 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 right call on the field was made. And then later on again, uh, it's it's that man again. Um, you know, uh, a chintzy penalty, but it's one you, you sort of have to call. It sucks, but it's fair. Ronaldo goes flying down the left wing. Uh, he crosses it in. It hits a hand on the way by. Uh, clear as day. The hands across, uh, away from the body. That ball was going to a danger area. That's one that I hate, but you know what? I, I kind of get. He puts it home past Loris again. Uh, and then there's a back and forth, but there's really nothing really to write home about in the last, call it, 20 minutes of the game. Uh, there was a penalty check. Bruno Fernandez almost, he as he came on a substitute, he almost gave one away late, and he had the balls to stand over Kingsley Coman and, sta- and like, glare at him to get up. Bruno Fernandez, the famously ridiculous uh, penalty diver, if you will. He's on the Portuguese diving team as well. So uh, there's, there's not a whole lot there. Uh, and then both both games ironically end up in a two two draw, uh, and we get to where we are. But it's absolutely madness. If you haven't already, go back and and watch like the ten minute condensed highlights of all four of the games uh, from Wednesday's action because they were just f- absolutely frenetic is the word for all of them. Um, so that's where we're at. Uh, again, if you have not put your entries in, you have until Saturday at eleven thirty a.m. Please do so. It's free to join on runyourpool.com. We will link to it in the episode link uh, in this and on our social media. uh, And join the Facebook group. Uh, We're excited to see you guys in there. Big thanks again to World Soccer Shop for kicking in some prizes. uh, And we can't wait to see who's going to make Laurent and I look like fools in this thing. So have a great time. Have a great weekend. And enjoy the round of 16 in the Euros this year. Uh, We will talk to you again on Monday.